You're listening to Comedy Central. Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'm Trevor Noah. This is the Daily Social Distancing Show, and today is February 3rd, also known as Day 3 of Black History Month. That's right. Time to break out those decorations, people. Yeah, I already brought my uh, Frederick Douglass down from the attic. I gave him some reindeer so he doesn't get lonely. Anyway, on tonight's show, we explore America's childcare crisis. Jeff Bezos is updating his resume and Republicans are being forced to choose between their money or their guns. So let's do this, people. Welcome to the Daily Social Distancing Show. From Trevor's couch in New York City to your couch somewhere in the world, this is the Daily Social Distancing Show with Trevor Noah. Ears edition. Let's kick things off with Amazon. It's the reason you stayed up until 3 a.m. reading reviews of paper clips. Yesterday, founder and evil doorknob Jeff Bezos announced that he'll be stepping down as CEO to become the company's executive chair, where he'll dedicate his time to things like philanthropy and space travel. And can I just say, you know you're rich when you're like, I'm retiring to spend more time with other planets. Although, if we're honest, he's not exactly retiring, right? Jeff Bezos says he's transitioning to the role of executive chair. Now, I don't know exactly what an executive chair is, but I looked it up on Google and it looks like this. And I guess that's just a perk of being a billionaire. You can get plastic surgery to look like a chair and still have money to go to space. I mean, whatever makes you happy, man. What? Or it's like, it's a position. Either way, I just wanted to say congratulations to Jeff Bezos. I mean, what he created is a testament to the power of innovation and the simple dream of destroying bookstores. Now, in case you're worried, Jeff Bezos will be fine without having a steady income. I mean, sure, he's no longer the richest person in the world after being passed by future Batman villain Elon Musk, but he's still worth $184.6 billion. And he made that money the way any billionaire does, hard work smart investments, and mugging delivery guys. In other Amazon news, the e-commerce giant agreed to pay nearly $62 million to settle charges. It skimmed tips for delivery drivers. The Federal Trade Commission says Amazon began pocketing some tips from customers to drivers between 2016 and 2019. The FTC says the e-commerce giant assured drivers who were part of the Amazon Flex program that they were still receiving all of their tips. No, I'm sorry, guys, no. How rich? do you have to be, huh? Amazon is worth a trillion dollar, trillion dollars, and still it's sneaking tips away from its drivers? Like, nah, man, no tip from that house either. I know it's crazy, right? But Amazon can get away with this because they're not a real person. You see, if a real person got caught at a bar stealing tips from the table, there'd be a fight. And maybe that's actually what needs to happen. You know, if a company does something that would get a person's ass beat, then that company has to pick an executive to get his ass beat. Yeah, that way there'd be at least somebody at Amazon who would have said, no, guys, 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 we're not stealing dips. I can't get thrown through another window, guys. So just appoint someone like that, you know? You can even give him a made up title, like executive chair. Wait, so it's, it's a real thing. But let's move on to Washington, D.C home of America's sharpest penis. Ever since metal detectors were installed outside the House of Representatives in the wake of the Capitol riots, Republicans have been causing a scene by trying to sneak past with their own guns. And it's gotten so bad 
that Democrats had to finally lay down the law. Fines for House members who refused to pass through new metal detectors, the $5,000 fine for a first offense and a $10,000 fine after that will be deducted straight from lawmakers' salaries. Every Republican present voted against this new rule proposed by Speaker Nancy Pelosi in the wake of the Capitol insurrection. Some Republicans, like Louie Gohmert of uh, Texas, Lauren Boebert of Colorado, and Andy Harris of Maryland, they have already tried to defy these new security screenings. Whew. You gotta admit, man, these Republicans have got some balls. They're really out here like, I need my guns. This place is dangerous. Any minute now, I could incite another riot. Look, man, there is no reason that any member of Congress should need a gun on the floor of the House. None, okay, maybe except Louis Gohmert. I mean, he needs his gun for hunting rabbits. So look, I hope that these fines will finally force Republicans to behave themselves. On the other hand, though, bringing your gun in and paying the fine anyway might just be the way Republicans flex from now on. They'll just be walking around like, yeah, that's right. I got that metal detector money, bitch. Speaking of the insurrection, one thing that set it off was the conspiracy theory that the Democrats stole the election using rigged voting machines from the company Dominion. It's a conspiracy theory that was pushed by Trump supporters like Mike Lindell the MyPillow founder and alt-right Mario, and the right-wing network Newsmax talked about it all the time. But last month, Dominion finally told Newsmax, yo, if you don't get our name out of your mouth, we're gonna sue your channel 349-ass network into oblivion. And based on what happened yesterday when Lindell tried to go back on Newsmax, the network is taking that threat seriously. We have all the election fraud with these Dominion machines. We have 100% proof. And then I, when they took it down um, uh, about Mike, three weeks Mike, ago, I, and then I put it back up, my personal, I put a, it was a Mike, thing about uh, thank you very much. Mike, Mike, I, you're talking about machines uh, that, that we at Newsmax have not been able to verify any of uh, those kinds of allegations. We just want to let people know that there's nothing substantive that we've seen. And let me read you something there. While there were some clear evidence of some cases of vote fraud and election irregularities, the election results in every state were certified and Newsmax accepts the results as legal and final. The courts have also supported that view. So right. we so, wanted so to talk to you about canceling culture, if you will. We don't want to relitigate the, 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 the uh, allegations that you're making, Mike, because we, we, we understand where you are. So let me ask you this. Do you think that this should be temporary because it appears to be permanent? Could you make an argument that it is temporary? What? <laughs> could you make an argument that this could be a temporary banning rather than permanent? No, I want it to be a permanent because you know what? They did this because I'm revealing all the evidence on Friday of all the election fraud with these machines. So I'm sorry if you okay. think it's not uh, Mike, it's real. I, I, can I ask our producers, can we uh, get out of here, please? Uh, I, I don't want to have to keep going over this. Actually, we at Newsmax Mike, have not been able wait, to verify wait, any of those wait, allegations. Wait, that you're, you're, Mike, oh, hold on a second. Everybody hold on a second. Mike, Mike, hold on one second. Uh, let's talk a little bit about just what is happening. Damn. That defamation lawsuit has Newsmax shook. See that dude? He pieced out of there like the Chipotle just hit. But you see, that's the power of the courts right there. Because Mike Lindell tried to stage a coup 
and Newsmax was fine with inviting him on. But the second he started saying shit that was gonna get them sued, all of a sudden they were like, bup, 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 bup. no, 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 my man. Overthrowing the government is one thing, but <laughs> a lawsuit, that shit's serious. And keep in mind, this is Newsmax we're talking about. Remember, Newsmax is like Fox News after it stopped taking its meds. But at least for a minute, Dominion managed to sue them into behaving like actual journalists. According to this statement from my lawyer, your, your facts are incorrect. And finally, news from the world of sports. It's safe to say that any NBA game where LeBron plays is gonna be exciting. But the real action at Monday's Lakers-Hawks game was happening courtside. She's being called courtside Karen after getting into a heated courtside exchange with LeBron James. Just got kicked out of the game for talking to LeBron James. Don't talk to my husband like But during the verbal altercation with LeBron, her mask came down. You can hear a security guard talk to her. Once she got kicked out, she was still livid. Listen, let me tell you, LeBron James looked at my husband during the game and cussed him out, and I stood up and I go, don't talk to my husband. Talk to my husband one more time and I will you up. LeBron added the following quote, I thought I was talking to a father and daughter until she started calling him husband. I was stunned. Ooh, the shade. LeBron finished that game with 21 points, nine assists, and one murder. But come on, guys, we know that that guy wasn't her dad. Because a daughter would have just been like, oh my God, dad, you're embarrassing me. Drag him, LeBron. By the way, it is really good to see fans in the arenas again, you know? They're just like, suck these nuts, you piece of shit. (laughs) Man, it's so good to be back. I've missed you, LeBron. Regardless, it appears we now have yet another breed of Karen. Yes, my friends, they're mutating faster than the coronavirus. And just like coronavirus, Karens are a huge drain on American society. Luckily for them and us, now there's a place where Karens can go for treatment. There's an epidemic in this country that's spiraling out of control. Please take your phone off. Please don't come close to me. I'm taking pictures calling the cops. Women across the country lashing out, flying off the handle, set off by problems great and small. Mostly small. You're not wearing a mask. Can you step away? Can you show me your papers? That man harassed me for not wearing a mask. I have a breathing problem. I have a right to my pizza. If you or someone you love exhibits these disturbing symptoms, there is hope. The Care Intervention Virtual Rehab Clinic. We study and treat the root causes and behaviors of the Karen and reintegrate them into society as fully functioning citizens who mind their own damn business. You'll come to us a Karen, but leave a Brittany or Denise or whatever your name was before, unless it was Karen, in which case you're gonna have to change it. No matter what type of Karenism you suffer from, we can help. We specialize in a wide range of wild and out women, including MAGA Karens, drive through Karens, and even COVID Karens. They won't let me in without a mask, but it's my constitutional right to buy Froyo and cough on whoever I want to. <laughs> Karen, let's just try on a face mask. See how it feels, yeah? But I can't breathe. You can breathe or you wouldn't be complaining so much. My face has rights. But of all the Karens we treat, I'm most proud of our work with racist Karens. Hi, yes, I'd like to report a black man who is trying to come in my door. 
He says he's a mailman, but... Can you please send somebody quick? Karen, I'd like you to try some exposure therapy now. Roy, are you there? Hey, what's up, Desi? Okay, this is my friend Roy. I just want you to watch him for a few minutes without losing your mind. Look out, he's got a gun! It's a sandwich, Karen. Can I go? Once you check in, our therapies will cut straight to the root of your Karening. I think the manager that you really need to speak to is the one that's inside here. <laughs> Another breakthrough. Don't wait to seek help. Call us now. We know how good you are at whipping out your phone. Rehabilitation is possible. And I know that because I'm not just a counselor here. I'm also in recovery. This coffee's cold. I'm calling the police. It was cold. Thank you so much for that, Desi. All right, when we come back, we'll discuss why your babysitter should be free. And Dax Shepard is joining us on the show. Don't go away. Welcome back to the Daily Social Distancing Show. Let's talk about children. They're like puppies that walk on two legs. But with the pandemic, taking care of them is harder than ever. And guess which gender has been saddled with that burden? The childcare crisis is pushing working moms out of the labor force. More than two million women have left the workforce in the U.S. since this pandemic began. When you look at that December job support on a net basis, women made up all of the job losses, losing 156,000 jobs. Men net gained 16,000. Even before the pandemic, women shouldered more household chores. When schools shut down and daycares closed, many women felt they had no choice but return to jobs as homemakers. Burnout among working moms who are juggling it all, the homeschool, the childcare, and the demanding jobs. My son's headphones uh, are not working right now, so I'm spending my day working while hearing the schooling in the background. I usually get about an hour or so of uninterrupted work time. Um, so there is also the fun fact that my son is in band and they have to do it virtually. Man, I feel so bad for that mom. She's got to work with her kid playing French horn in the background. Honestly speaking, all brass instruments should be illegal. No one's ever said car horns are great, but how do we bring them indoors? But look, if your kid has to play a brass instrument, then you should make sure that it's a trombone because at least that way they can provide sound effects for your Zoom calls. I'm sorry to say this, Mr. Chairman, but our revenue is down this quarter. Thanks, Timmy. You gotta admit, moms are taking on so much more these days. Working, homeschooling their kids, running a house, it's a very different pandemic experience than childless people are having. Because childless people, their complaints are like, oh man, I wasted all day watching Netflix again. I didn't even get to Hulu. Ah, man, what a tough day. But while Corona has exacerbated these problems, childcare has been a major issue in America long before everyone started wiping down their junk mail. It's the subject of another episode of If You Don't Know, Now You Know. Let's be honest, people. America is great at many things. 
rebooting British TV shows, making anything flaming hot, but providing parents with childcare isn't one of them. And the consequences are felt throughout the entire country. The U.S. is one of the only developed countries that does not have free care for young children. Overall, the cost of child care has roughly tripled since 1990, which is more than the overall rate of inflation. The average cost of care per child is more than $26,000 per year for parents in parts of the USA. That's more than housing and college tuition. Child care costs can wipe out or nearly wipe out any economic benefit the woman would get from working. As a result, women will often stay out of the workforce to care for their child. This is going to cost upwards of $700 billion this year to the U.S. economy in terms of lost productivity. That's 3.5% of GDP. Labor participation rate of women in the United States kept pace with top countries in this area, like Norway, for instance. Our economy would be $1.6 trillion larger. Better child care is a win for everybody. There's just no downside to it. That's right. It turns out this burden isn't just on moms, it directly impacts the entire country. America is missing out on economic growth, equality, and probably inventions. You know, like a combination refrigerator toilet. America could have had that by now if the woman who had the idea didn't have to quit her engineering job to take care of her kids. And not only does this hurt women's productivity, it also hurts men's productivity. Because if women aren't in the office, then men have to spend all day mansplaining stuff to each other. Hey, Bob, Bob, let me show you how to turn that file into a PDF. Hey, Gary, how about I show you how to save it onto the network drive? No, silly, you gotta format it correctly. Here, let me show you. Hey, do you know all the formatting shortcuts? Here, let me teach you. Have you seen a Coen Brothers movie? I mean, like, really seen it? Quentin Tarantino. Now, the truth is, this childcare problem isn't actually that difficult to solve. All you gotta do is let kids get jobs. I mean, a textile mill is just arts and crafts with quotas. But there's also another less illegal solution for childcare that other countries have figured out a long time ago. You let the government pay for it. The cost of childcare is generally paid for by a combination of the government, parents, and childcare providers. In the U.S., the cost falls mostly on parents and providers. In other countries like Denmark and Sweden, the government foots most of the bill. In Sweden, tax revenue supports generous childcare programs and gives employees vast leave of absence opportunities. Those programs, in turn, help make Swedish citizens more employable. They also don't have to ration big portions of their paychecks to things like daycare or student loans. In Finland, the government offers public daycare for any child until the age of seven, or if the parents decide to opt out, they're entitled to paid leave for the first three years of their kid's life. The French government offers a family allowance every month to help pay for child expenses, all the way up until the kid's 20th birthday. On top of all this, families get tax credits for daycare and schooling expenses. It's a generous system that costs the state tens of billions of euros each year, a high cost that's worth it. The more active women are in the workforce, the more they have babies. And more babies means more future workers and future taxpayers. Okay, I mean, that makes sense. But it's a little weird for that lady to refer to babies as future workers and taxpayers. I wonder if she rolls up to her new nieces and nephews like, are you gonna grow our GDP? Oh, uh, yes, you are. Uh, yes, you are. Although, just for the record, she's not totally right. If the past four years have taught us anything, it's that not all kids work. But look, overall, 
I think these countries have it right. And it's actually sad when you see Americans get shocked when they learn how other countries handle childcare. Wait, they get three years of parental leave in Finland? That's crazy. But it's not crazy. It's just that other countries expect their government to make life easier for its citizens. Over there, they say, wow, it's hard to raise kids. Let's have the government help. Only America goes, wow, it's hard to raise kids, but the government needs all the money for drones and tax cuts. So sorry, Susie, I hope this iPad can raise you. But the craziest part is, we know America is capable of giving everyone access to childcare because they've already done it. Back when everything was in black and white. When World War II came, the government started recruiting women to work in factories as the men went out to war. On the production line, Rosie the Riveter steps in when the draftees step out. From 1940 to 1945, the total women in the workforce rose nearly 30%. And they very brilliantly realized that if women had children, something had to be done for the children. So this was really the first and only time that the American government, the federal, at the federal level, said, okay, we have to support childcare. Essentially, the U.S. was the closest it had ever been to having universal childcare. An amendment to the Lanham Act gave families access to childcare six days a week, including summers and holidays, and families only had to pay roughly $10 a day in today's dollars. But once the war ended and the men went back to work, government funding dried up. You see, America was willing to pay for childcare when the only alternative was being overrun by Nazis. But then once the war was over, America just got rid of it, which is not fair to moms. And it's gonna make them a lot more hawkish when it comes to war. The next time America's got tension with Iran, American moms are gonna be like, come on, come on, Ayatollah, you gotta make this happen. So the point is, better childcare is possible in America. And it would be great if America took advantage of this global war against the coronavirus to make childcare available for everyone. Because if America misses this opportunity to act, it'll continue to let down its moms, dads, and worst of all, its children. Not now, Timmy! All right, when we come back, Dax Shepard will be here to discuss his brand new show all about cars. Yeah, that's right, Jerry Seinfeld. You're not the only comedian who's allowed to do that. <laughs> we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Daily Social Distancing Show. So earlier today, I spoke with Dax Shepard. We talked about his wildly successful podcast, his brand new Top Gear show, and so much more. Dax Shepard, welcome to the Daily Social Distancing Show. Yeah, hey, can I say something right out of the gates? Um, when I said I was coming on your show, there was like four women around and all of them unanimously were like, oh my God, Trevor. They went on and on and on. And now that I'm looking at your face, I totally get it. I mean, you're <laughs> as cute as they come. You really are. Oh man, it's the lights, it's the lights. You would be shocked at the quality of light you can get on Amazon, my friend. Great quality lighting that makes you look better than you've ever looked in your life. I appreciate that, man. But welcome, welcome to the show. It's good to have you on because you have so many things going on. First things first, let's jump into Top Gear USA. Congratulations. That's, that seems like a, like a dream job. I feel like I do Top Gear in my real life and then now you get paid to do it. That's not fair. I mean, Top Gear is, is the biggest car show in the world. Like, I grew up loving it. You know, uh, Jeremy, Richard, and, and, and uh, with Jeremy, it's Richard, and it is, why am I forgetting him? James, James May. Yes, James May. And so, huge show. 
And I mean, in America, obviously there's, you know, there's different nuances, there's a different vibe. But the thing about Top Gear is it's always been a show about the people's personalities and then how they tie into the cause. So tell me a little bit about Top Gear USA. Yeah, so uh, I totally agree. You know, at its height, I think Top Gear, the one, the version you're talking about that we all revere, is had 750 million viewers globally. So yeah, they did something very special. There was something about their chemistry that made all these little challenges so fun, and that's very much what our agenda is on Top Gear America this year. And I have the best two co-hosts ever, Rob Cordry, who's hysterical, who obviously comes out of your petri dish. <laughs> and, uh, and and Jethro Bovington, who's a bona fide like English automotive journalist who races. So he and I are crazy competitive. It's a, sh- a miracle we're both still alive after season one. But um, we we got we hit the chemistry jackpot, and it's the most fun. And to your point, yeah, I spend every penny of discretionary income on cars and going to the track. And I go on this show, and they get, they write me a check on Friday. So what is your like? What is your um? What's your forte? Everyone who loves cars has their thing. What's your thing? You, you old school, new school, fast, slow, luxury? I love cars that look slow that are insanely fast. In fact, if I had to pick a car movie, uh, a, a movie car that was most stimulating was in, in Men in Black, if you remember, they had that really boxy, yes. dumb LCD, yes. and you turn out, oh, it's a race car. So. <laughs> I I collect station wagons. I have three station wagons, and all of them are crazy fast. And there's nothing as funny as as beating someone in a 911 off of a stoplight in a 94 wood grain Buick Roadmaster station wagon. (laughs) Maybe that's where the fun of motoring is. Do you know what you do to somebody when you do that? I, I, I love the joke of it, but Dax, I wonder if you appreciate how you have emotionally scarred people that you have done this to. Because people work hard their entire lives to buy that Porsche. They finally get it. Oh, I know. Therein lies my great joy in doing it. Because, you know, someone who just writes a check for a 911, if I can dethrone them in a 94 wood grain station wagon, I just, that's punching up. It's not punching down. If I were a 911 and beat a guy in a station wagon, I'd have a moral conundrum on my hands. But I don't. What can we come to expect from, from Top Gear USA? You know, like, where's the show going to take us and, and what are you most excited for? Well, you know, it's a nice mix. So we, we get into tons of brand new cars and supercars, but then there's all these challenges where we're trying to pick what we think the best car for some weird obstacle, the overlanding, right, on a $5,000 budget. And those end up being really fun episodes because if you buy three cars off Craigslist for, with five grand, one and three of them are going to break within a couple hours. So it's just got this built-in uh, uh, plot in that none of our cars ever work a whole episode. And that's when it, the show gets really fun, in my opinion. That's just one thing that Dax Shepard is up to right now. Your podcast, Armchair Expert, is wildly successful. And I wonder if you were as shocked at how much your guests changed with the pandemic. Because you always used to interview people in person, and now... I mean, you're getting everybody from like Bill Gates to Hillary Clinton. Are you surprised at how much of a reach your podcast has now? Oh yeah, I I don't think anyone's more shocked than I am personally. I did not anticipate it would be successful. I did not anticipate, yeah, I get to talk to Bill Gates at some point. Um, But the pandemic, which initially I was like, oh, I hate this, I love it in person. Something happens, we all know there's some biochemical thing that goes on. And I was really hesitant 
Um, but then uh, to your point, all these people that don't have the extra hour to commute to my attic are now available. Uh, all these amazing historic uh, rock stars in, in Bill Gates and Hillary Clinton and Sean Penn. And so it's it's been, you know, um, some pluses and minuses and definitely right. The, right. the level right. of guests that we've gotten to have. And I'm sure like you've experienced, it's it's gotten easier to do this. Like I, I, it took a minute for me to find the rhythm of this. What I love about the podcast is not just that you're learning stuff, but I like that you I like that you stick your neck out there. I like that you're not afraid to be wrong. I like that you 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 are much smarter than you sometimes will play um, for the audience. Like, do you do you think that you've learned more because of the podcast? Have you started trying to learn more, or were you always just that person who dived into information and then just just you know kept all of it in your brain? First of all. Thank you. My favorite compliment other than you're hot, which happens only once a year, is you're smart. So you just gave me my very second favorite <laughs> compliment. But I do think I have like a, I, I have a superpower, which is I'm dyslexic. It took me forever to learn to read. Like I read really slow, but I retain it all. And then also when you are dyslexic and you're growing up because you can't get the info uh, visually, you have to retain it auditorily. So uh, yeah. I could tell me a story today and I could probably shock you in three years that I, I would remember almost the whole story. So I do have a big advantage from that history, I think, with dyslexia. And then mostly, you know, I have experts every Thursday, like scientists and, you know, social biologists, all this stuff. And and I basically have to, like, learn their discipline for a few hours so I can at least communicate with them. You know, I don't right. want to be completely having them explain the most basic things to me and wasting the whole interview on that. So I love it. It's I'm, it's like I'm back in college, but I, I never have a term paper due. I think for me, you're living the perfectly balanced life right now. You've got all the brains and the conversation happening in the podcast. And then once in a, in a while, you jump into an extremely fast car and you burn tires on a racetrack somewhere. I think that, my friend, is, uh, is life as it should be lived. Yeah, I'm like... A- a caveman in one area and then like uh, kind of elevated on the other. So yeah, it's a good <laughs> A caveman on the one side and a caveman with glasses on the other side. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me on the show and uh, I'll see you again soon. Uh, okay, great. All right, be well. Take care. Don't forget, Top Gear America is streaming now on the Motor Trend app and Armchair Expert is available wherever you listen to podcasts. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, ears edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast. 